Welcome to Savage. I'm your host, Kelsey Kenry, CEO, wife, and mom of three. This is where you find the aligned strategy and mindset shifts to unleash your power, unlock your freedom, and step into your full potential as a CEO. Every episode is full of tough love and hard truths with a side of tactical guidance to expand your success. You ready? Let's do the damn thing. inner work. That's why, like you said, you have to really think about who are you aside from being a mother. Welcome to the Bravehearted Podcast, where we are changing the way you get inspiration by allowing you to hear resilience and victory in hard stories. We discuss new methods on handling life situations so you can show up confidently in your life. We are different. Because instead of just giving you inspiration through stories, we give you actionable tools to make the change that you want to make. Let's live bravely today. So as you guys know, on the podcast, we are forever talking about therapy and the importance of therapy and what it can do for your life. So we've actually partnered with BetterHelp, betterhelp.com. It's an online counseling website. So you can go on and get a therapist and they will match you with somebody and you can do therapy right from the comfort of your own home, your car, wherever. So you can get 10% off actually your first month with BetterHelp. You just go to betterhelp.com forward slash bravehearted. All right. Welcome to episode 29 of the Bravehearted podcast. My name is Mindy Mercurio career coach helping exhausted women let go of fear to find passion in their work. And of course, as always today with me, we have Kelsey. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 29. My name is Kelsey Kenry, and I am a personal development coach and speaker working with women all over the world to take action in their lives, to find their passions, especially find their purpose outside of motherhood. And I am like literally have butterflies in my stomach to talk to Brandy today because she's somebody that I've followed on social media. I love the content that she puts out and she talks a lot about conscious parenting. And as I'm learning more about her, she's definitely focused on mental health and the mental health of our children. So Brandy is here and we're going to talk today. And just to tell you a little bit about Brandy, she is an independently licensed social worker in Ohio. And she has over a decade of experience working with children and families who are or have experienced trauma. And she specializes in education with early, in early childhood mental health. And this is such an important topic and keeping our children in a safe place and to really not repeat our cycles. And I feel like this is something we talk about so often with our learned behaviors from childhood and how, how easy it is to repeat those things. So we're stoked Mm -hmm. to talk to you today. Thank you for being here with us. Um, So my first question to you is really, (sighs) I have so many questions. This is like (laughs) all the questions. Yeah. Yeah, like good, good. I'm going to ask you 14 million questions. Um, okay. So can you tell me like your passion and your purpose, where does this drive come from? 
with the importance of mental health for our children? Yeah, so a lot of the reason why I'm in the work that I do with working with children and families specifically is because of my own history. I was a child who experienced trauma. My father was kind of in and out. When you're eight years old and you're young, you don't realize the impact it has on your life. You just have these feelings of being sad and feeling abandoned, um, but you don't know what to do with them. And if the adults around you don't know what to do with them, then you just kind of deal. And as I got older, I began to see how that was playing out and manifesting in my relationships with people and the relationships or just my environment and the type of things that I was doing. I got married, had children. And I tell you, children make you find your purpose because (laughs) my kids, I was getting triggered by watching them be parented by my husband. I was like, oh my God, I wish that my dad picked me up from school. I wish my dad would have taken me for an ice cream date. And I began to have to really do some healing work and look inwards and say, what is driving all of that? Once I began to go to school for social work, I began to understand those concepts, right? Like I knew it was wrong. I knew that I was feeling certain ways and getting triggered, but then I start understanding the biology of it. And I was like, oh my God, I know I can't be the only one who's dealing with this. Let me just start putting this out in the air. And what I got is just a a wealth of women who were like, oh my God, maybe my trauma didn't mirror yours, but I can definitely see some of my scars from childhood showing up and how I'm birthing children and raising those children and just being in relationships and just walking on this earth. How can I offset that? And so I'm really practical in just giving pieces of information to people before it gets to like a crisis situation. You know, when I'm, I work in the hospital and I work in schools and people are coming to me when they're suicidal, when they're super depressed. I prefer to come to you in a place where you don't have the understanding You're not yet at a place where you're at the breakdown, but I can give you a little bit of information to prevent you from having such a monumental breakthrough. For me, I just try to do a lot of prevention and I I was driven by helping women cultivate joy and child rearing and not making the, um, the load heavier, but trying to give tools that can make it easier for you to navigate life. Mm, yeah. And that's beautiful. And I love that you have the perspective of like that motherhood helps you to find your purpose because in what I do, I work with so many moms that have been lost in motherhood that have made mm. that, you know, the slippery slope of you have mm-hmm. a, a child that's now dependent on you. And so they completely lose themselves. And I believe so much, it's exactly what you said, is that we can actually use our children to help. They can teach us in in finding our purpose. That's so, so valuable. I would love to hear more about, like, in, you said that you saw kind of some of your, like, learned behaviors from childhood showing up Mm -hmm. in, you know, in your parenting. What was it? Like, what are some red flags? Because I feel like people could really use this as far as like, yeah. is this a red flag if I'm doing this? What are some ways that people could recognize this? Or what are some ways that you saw this? Well, I talk a lot about parental burnout, right? And so knowing those signs. So when we talk about being really tired, 
really edgy. You feel like you're always screaming and yelling. You feel like you're not enjoying your experience with your children. You feel like you need to be alone a lot. Those are signs that, or you're dysregulated, right? Where you just like are really antsy and anxious and working from a very anxious state. Those Mm -hmm. are signs that you're really having a stress response. That's the way our body interprets, you know, interprets stress and the way we, we, we try to manage it. To kind of go against that, we have to begin to do things to offset some of those stressors. And that's by moving and drinking water and having a full night's rest. But you really have to know some of, like, what is your safe place? What is your calm place? When you think about when you feel your best, what does that feel like? When you don't, when you're not in that place where your cup is running over and you are empty, those are signs that you need to do something to put, because it's not fair to anyone, right? Like you need to do something actively to get out of that hole. And that's hard to do because it feels comfortable just being in that hole, right? Like, I'm managing, I'm doing it, but you're not flourishing. You're not thriving in motherhood. um, Yes. You know, when you're experiencing that. I feel like it's accepted and almost, I I, I dare to say, even promoted. Like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like this is what motherhood is. You're tired, you're cranky, you're grumpy, you have to drink wine every night. I hate that I hate that shit. Seriously. Yeah. I'm like, your, your motherhood is this beautiful challenge. Um, yes. It is the hardest thing that I've ever done. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. My four-year-old is so hard, but he is my greatest teacher. Yes. Yes. And it's, I align so much exactly with what you're saying about, you know, it's interesting because we're talking so much about prevention and there's the prevention, like mm-hmm. the skills that you can have in order to prevent, you know, the, the trauma and repeating yes. those cycles, Yeah, the simpleness of prevention within ourselves as mothers of, of sleeping and not staying up till midnight drinking wine and then feeling yeah. like shit and yelling at your kids the next day. Yeah. You know? A lot of women don't, even know that that's abnormal, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. working from their subconscious. We think about our childhood wounds. They're all different. Like we all get triggered differently. Some of us have had parents who were super controlling. So we began to, um, you know, be defensive in our, uh, the way we parent, or we also repeat being very controlling, but we don't know that that's really abnormal. We're just doing what we saw, uh, Mm -hmm. what worked for us. You have to really do some inner work. That's why, like you said, you have to really think about who are you aside from being a mother? Because when you know and you invest in self and you know your triggers, you know the things that were your wounds, then you're able to go through life better managing those. But it really takes time to like sit with yourself, to write letters to your younger self to journal, to really practice and like look up things to discover how was I impacted and how is that affecting how I am, you know, living in this world and really do the work. And that's really hard to do because habits that we've been doing have been working for us for so long. The wine has worked for us for so long. And that, and the people who make the wine know that it's worked for (laughs) us and they continue to feed us those messages. But like, 
it, it has worked. And so you have to do something different. And breaking habits is the hardest, is the hardest practice for, for a lot of people. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. And it's like, you're, you're consistently targeted again to where it's, it's promoted and it's accepted to basically live a life that's not fulfilling to where it's, you are choosing because you choose to become a mother, you are consciously choosing to not have a life anymore. And I'm like, no, 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 not a thing. No, no. Yeah. So just gonna say it's almost looked down upon as a mother to have your own life and to have your own boundaries and to have the own things that you want to do, which is completely unfair because it's like you guys are saying, like, if you don't have that balance, then you are going to go mad and you're going to take it out on your kids. And why do we continue as a society to honor being overworked and being overtired and not taking care of ourselves? Yeah. Um, and, and women are seen as producers. We're seen t- to be the vessels that can get it all. We, we, you know, we, ha- we have all these hats that we have to wear. When we think about women in history, when we moved into the workforce, like we had to be domesticated to take care of our children in our household, but we also had to contribute to our household financially. So we had to go work. And so we have all these titles that we wear. And then a lot of stuff comes from guilt, like your own sense of guilt. There's times that I'm like, I need to go out. I need to go do something for myself. I actually like this item. I want to buy it, but I didn't buy my daughter anything today. Like, should I? Like, I always, like, in, in my mind, I'm creating this sense of guilt around helping myself. And that comes from maybe my own insecurities and my own talk within my own mind. And I think that guilt holds a lot of women back from freeing themselves um, in motherhood. I'm pretty sure that we're best friends. <laughs> I, I, I literally just came out with a mom guilt mini course, like because yes. of the exact reason to where, because it's something that we accept like, oh, I'm a mom. So I'm just going to feel guilty about everything. And then like many other things, we just think there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. Like we question everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Is this fair? Is this? And it's it's just like it's easier in that moment to not take care of ourselves. Yes, yes. And you really have to offset that by like feeding yourself positive affirmations. I tell moms that I'm working with, you need to be talking to yourself in your mind. Everything manifests through your thoughts, right? Like what you're feeding yourself. If you're telling yourself that you know, you should be guilty of this and that you don't deserve this and that Mm. someone else, that you value someone else, even your children over self, then that's what your output is going to be in this world. If you can tell yourself, I deserve, I am whole. When I do things for myself, I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. I'm a better whoever, a a career person. Um, When you can tell yourself that, then you can move through life more affirming because you're feeding those messages into your body to offset some of that, that guilt that you get. Mm, Yeah. And it's, I I think too, um, that it's, it, the self-discovery process and knowing Mm -hmm. who you are allows you to do that like more confidently because it's like, I know who I am. I know what's important to me and I can do this confidently while also raising children. So my question for you would be in kind of going back to the learned behaviors, uh, you know, that we tend to repeat, what are some ways that we as mothers can be more aware of these things? 
You know, I always think about kind of narrating your life, right? Like Mm -hmm. starting with your youngest memories, kind of documenting your experiences, how you felt in moments that you remember, um, thinking about your family tree, thinking about things that triggered you when you were little, things that you wish weren't, didn't exist or that were better managed. Um, How was your family dynamic? What kind of schools did you go to? What were your experiences socially? Really unpacking and thinking about what your life was before you became a mother. And really saying, like, I didn't like that, and I'm okay moving forward with changing that for myself. But really just thinking about and documenting and, like, writing and scripting out your life. When we think about trauma, a lot of the trauma intervention, when we're, you know, as a therapist, I have people write their stories. Because sometimes you don't even realize all the details, those intricate details that stick out to you that are on your heart until you kind of write that down. So really journaling and documenting um, your life from your point of view and trying to really be detail-oriented when thinking about those little intricate pieces that didn't feel good to you, that stuck with you, um, that you just don't want anymore and that you are ready to get rid of. Mm. That's so important. And so my husband and I are adopting and part of the adoption process is going through and writing that story and writing all about your life, the parenting that you went through and the things that you didn't care for, the things that you want to carry with you, all the different things that you've learned. And I think that's so important. I totally agree. Like whether you are a parent or you're thinking, you know, about becoming a parent soon or just in general, like Mm -hmm. writing down those things and unpacking that. Yes. And those pieces of your story, so important because like for us, it was, you know, things that we never thought that we would need to talk about no. and, or prepare for. Like you, you think about having a baby, you think about, you know, like, oh, I've got to decorate a nursery. I've got to buy all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I've got to plan a gender reveal party. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't think about all those hard things mm-hmm. that you have to kind of unpack and deal with. Yeah. And how much, how greater would it be if you can unpack those things before having the kids and doing it in real time? I mean, a lot of learning how to be a parent is in real time. I do believe that you learn as you go. You're like doing the best you can. You're surviving motherhood. (laughs) But I think there is, like you said, like, instead of just thinking of some of those external, you know, material things, we should be digging deeper and thinking about the mental preparation that we need as women to carry forward in becoming mothers. And, and, we, and we don't, just like we go to the doctor for our body, but we don't always go to the doctor for our mind. Mm. Oh, my mom and I were having a conversation the other day and we were talking about the importance of mental health because obviously with all the racism being exposed in our country right now, my kind of stance and like, okay, what, what can I do further in this is, uh, is kind of taking a place to where I would like to foster better communication between people. And in this conversation, she was like, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that if you break your arm, you go to the hospital, but if you feel broken inside, nobody does anything. No. No. And because you know what? I was just talking to someone. When we think about mental health, we think of the people who are suffering from schizophrenic. We're thinking about the people who are walking up and down the street, who are talking to themselves, um, who are in mental hospitals. But mental wellness, all it has to do is how you are 
taking care of the most important muscle in your body, which is your brain. Mm. Your brain is capable of functioning your entire body. If you're not taking care of that vessel, how are you moving in this world? There's so many things as a therapist I've learned about just the brain that people, like I said, you're willing to go to get your arm, you know, cast. But if you feel indifferent or if you're suffering from something internally, you're just supposed to stick with that and handle that by yourself without support. That It, it can't be done. And, and especially with women asking for help. I feel like we feel like we can do it all. Like the, the guilt, right? Like I don't need to ask somebody. I don't need to talk to anybody. I need to do all the work myself. There's so much power in giving someone else the opportunity to listen to you because you're only using your point of reference. It's important to have different perspectives for, some, for someone to just listen to your needs other than just maybe your companion and people around you who aren't experts at, I did, like sometimes they're giving you misinformation, which isn't yeah, good, yes. but really talking to experts who are like leading the change for people in, in the mental health world. So, you know, it's, it's hard, but again, like having these very, um, you know, conversations, these very honest conversations, hopefully people understand that it's necessary. It's vital. Um, mm. It's vital. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you were saying, I love the idea of for somebody who is not yet a mother or if they are a mother, just walking through and writing down your story. We did a whole podcast on owning your story um, just because the importance of it for for anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that there is so much power that comes from just journaling and writing things down and the feedback that we get from seeing those words. Mm. And I also remember before we had my son, I sat down with my husband and we had a conversation about those things. And it was, you know, this is what I want to take with me and this is what I don't. And I think that that openness of kind of owning like that part of my childhood was so helpful to me. One of the things that manifested from that was my mom was not around. So I suffered from abandonment issues. And so in that conversation, it was like, okay, well, I want to make sure that I'm present for my children. And that manifested into me being like overly present, if that's a thing, to where I couldn't not be with my son if he was awake. I wouldn't let anybody else watch him. Still to this day, my son's four years old. Nobody's watched him but grandparents, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. But it's like, you know, just recognizing like, okay, I know where that comes from. I think just allows us to actually take the action that's needed. Once you figure it out, once you figure it out, taking very small steps, right? Like grandparents. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now maybe I can move to a friend because yeah, I think again, like when you're working from a place of experiencing some type of trauma, it's easy to even overextend yourself by, because you're trying to compensate for the trauma you experience, right? So like that abandonment piece, you wanted to be super present. Your notions were good. The reason you wanted to do that was great. But how you did that, it also led to like, you still got some work to do, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's okay because we're in, we're, 
imperfect. Like we're not perfect people and we have to kind of make mistakes so that we can grow through it. Um, And just being able to always come back and ask the hard questions. Because when I talk about healing, I talk about it being continuum. It's not like you're at a place where you figured it all out and you got it. No, you're always figuring it out. You're always in recovery. You're always going to be needing to dig deeper because once you open up one hole, you'll discover another. And so you're constantly doing the work. It begins to get easier because it begins to be a have you. It's something that you're used to all doing. It's coming back to self, asking the questions. And so you begin to like, it won't be such a heavy load, but again, you got to keep, you got to keep it going. It's just like a continuum of work that has to be done. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We're growing and, and that's, that comes with growth. Yeah. And I've seen exactly what you're saying in like, in my, in my own story, like just kind of like building on those little pieces to where it was like, okay, first I was able to be more open about, you know, my, my issues with drugs and alcohol. And then it was talking about being arrested. And then it was, you know, talking about parental or or childhood trauma. And then it was like the last piece of my story was, you know, the sexual piece and how I use my body in different ways. And so it's like, but because I had done the work before, like you said, it became a little bit easier to like add a little bit on here. So it didn't feel as mm-hmm. like strenuous. It just felt like this is who I yes. am. So this is the work that I have to do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. So you homeschool your three girls, right? I don't, but Corona has forced me to. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's talk. Can can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like we're talking about prevention here. And I know that a lot of us moms, myself included, luckily my son went back to school. I love him very much, but I don't, I am not my best parent when my child is home all the time. I can openly admit that. So can you like give some of the moms listening, what are some small steps that they can take to help themselves? Yeah, I think the first step to take is just knowing that it's not, it's very abnormal for you to have to be teacher, parent, work all at once. Like that is not normal. No one should be doing that. You should not have your expectations really high, adjust your expectations. You know, I was talking to parents who thought that they would be able to do this full workload, be home, homeschool, do all the activities, then do some self-care. And then, and I'm like, that, that, that's too much. (laughs) This is a pandemic for everyone. We're all experiencing adjustments, right? We have to adjust our expectations to meet where we are realistically. If you can't get to every assignment, oh, well. If your son or daughter doesn't receive the score you wanted them to receive, that's okay. They're surviving an epidemic. Like we cannot, I think we just have this false sense of like expectation set for us, you know? And I'm not, like like you said, I'm a great parent, but I'm not a great teacher. There's actually people who go, to school and college to become educators. That is not my wheelhouse. And so we have to know that like, we're not experts at a lot of, you know, at everything and that's mm-hmm. okay. And, and you don't want to cause a traumatic experience or 
you know, have an issue with the bond that you have with your child just because you're trying to do all the things. That's not fair to you or anyone around you. You know, so I just think really just in your mind, getting rid of some of the guilt and lessening some of the expectations that you're setting up in such a hard time. And not all kids are virtual learners. You know, I'm talking to parents around like every kid doesn't learn through a computer. Like that's just reality. Some kids are very hands-on learners. Some kids are very visual learners kinetic learners. There's all types of learners because I work at a school. I realize that you can't always teach your child something through a computer and that's okay too. You have to find some simple ways to do some teaching other than just math, science, reading and writing. Are there some practical tools that your child is missing out on? I was talking to parents around doing things that that the schools don't do. You know, parents, we always have, I wish they had cooking in school. I wish that they had this. Well, now you have the opportunity to do some of those things. So for me, I've been like teaching my girls to do laundry or fold towels or wash the dishes or, you know, like teaching them some practical tools that school doesn't serve. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. been very fulfilling because they need that just as much as they need curriculum. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's something that you can really take control of and have some ownership in. Yeah. I feel like that gives you a lot of power back. Um, yeah. Because you do like, it, it's so funny. I, like my husband and I were talking about this the other day. Like we wish, you know, the kids did get more of this education, like in school, like practical things, like how to take care of your house, how to like cook okay. an egg, how to measure things like that. But I want to go back to expectations for a minute because I think that this is really important too because social media drives so much Mm. of what we think we have to do. And we see on social media, like, you know, the mom that quote has it all, like she's out there and she's doing all those fun craft projects and she's Mm -hmm. taking the kids to the library and she's, you know, making all the Mm -hmm. fun cutouts with sandwiches. And, you know, it just makes you feel like you're less than. So let's talk about that for a minute. How, you know, how as a mom, can we deal with those types of, you know, things that are in our face all the time? Yeah, I think it's important to know what social media is. It's really Mm -hmm. a highlight reel, right? Like there are some moments that you do share that that show your vulnerability or show some of the challenging pieces of of your life experiences. But for the most part, those squares, those captions, those are really like the highlight of what people want people to see. And so when you understand that those things aren't a full perspective of someone's life, then you're better, you 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 can better understand that that's just that's just unrealistic. Those things are happening but there's probably a lot of other things happening in between times. You don't see the meltdowns. You don't see the, the timeouts that, the, you know, that mom needs to take or, or the uh, disagreements that she has. You don't, you don't see those things um, in someone's highlight reel because they want to show you the very best pieces of them. Um, another thing that I've recently done is I began to really filter what information I'm receiving online. I have no problem. Yes hitting the unfriend button. If it doesn't serve me, if it makes me feel different about who I am or perspectives are just different or it just makes me feel empty or guilty, I have to understand that I have to set a boundary for myself 
and I unfollow and that's okay. And maybe later I can follow them again. You have to be okay with setting boundaries for yourself. And then my, I mean, lastly, it's just like taking a step away from social media, especially during this time, I've been talking to just in my house about how we have to filter all this information. Like it's almost traumatic listening over and over to stories of violence and Mm. stories of injustices. And it's good to be aware of those things, but it's also okay to step away and pause and rejuvenate so that you can again come back and be open to receiving that information. I do, um, you know, social media cleanses, like where I'll just Mm. take, you know, 30 days or 20 days where I'll just like step away I have a business to run on there, obviously, but sometimes I just need to to step away so that I can even be present in the here and now and appreciate and have gratitude for the things that are actually in my life other than what's on my screen. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do because it's addicting. It's so easy to want to get on your phone and look and see what everybody's mm-hmm. doing. Again, it takes work to say, you know what, today I'm going to log off and I'm simply just going to be here right now with my family in the environment in which I can control. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of, of filtering, like with my business, like I, I won't say have to, because I don't have to do anything, but I have to be very present on social media and I like to connect with my people. But in the same sense, I definitely have days to where it's like, I just get on and post and like log off and it's not so much. I need to save myself a little bit from the interaction. And when we're talking about like the comparison piece, you said something really important about like how it is a highlight reel and something I've always said when, when people are talking about what they see with parenting, I'm like, the reason why you don't see like the tantrums and the hard stuff, which I openly share, like, you know, Cameron's had aggressive problems in school and we've, we've had to talk to specialists and like all this stuff. Like, and I share because I know that that can help people. But in the same sense, like I'm not posting in my story, like when my kids are having a meltdown because I'm with them. Yes. Yes. I'm in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And who can be like, okay, stop crying real quick. Let me (laughs) hold my phone and I'm going to get back, you know? And and how, how that would be if our children saw that, right? Like I think about like recording my kids, like I'm at a point where like with my 13 year old, I have to get permission. Like, can I, can I take a picture of you? Do you mind if I Mm. share this online? She's very sensitive about that stuff. But you know, our children become adults. What we put online is for public. You know, when I was filming her when she was little, you know, she still is like, mom, my friends look through your highlight reel and they saw me when I was, and you know, she gets embarrassed by that. So some things we have to keep sacred. Some things are for our safe place and that's okay. People don't deserve to have all of you. You Mm. share, you, you can share what you want. Mm, you yeah. the experience that you want to have mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to, I love the kind of the tip for the, the state of our world right now and us being trapped in our homes. I feel like that changing the expectation to, to looking at it as an opportunity to focus on those life skills I don't know if you if you've heard of it, but there's a there's a show on Netflix and it's Killer Mike's show and it's called Trigger Warning. Have you heard of it? I have. I have. Did you? Did I watched, you? I, I probably did. I watch the first. 
Did you happen to see the one where he went into the school and he brought the handyman and was trying to teach them life skills? Yes, yes. Wasn't they were high schoolers, right? It was first graders. Oh no, first grade. Yeah, it was so it was so interesting because I loved and when he went in the principal's office. Mindy, I don't know if you've seen this, but basically he mm-hmm. goes into a first grade classroom and his idea is like, why are we teaching kids all this shit they're not going to learn? <laughs> Let's teach our kids like how to be entrepreneurs and like how to fix stuff and how to like yes. something's broken, I'm going to fix it. That's how you survive this world. So he goes in with these first graders, he brings a handyman in and they're like, <laughs> like, like doing sink drains and like all like doing like a roto rooter and stuff. And it is fantastic. And he goes into the principal's office and he's like, you know, explaining his like, this is what we need to be teaching children. Like they need to have life skills. They need to be able to do these things. And she's like, no, that wouldn't work here. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And when you, and I work in a, I work in a school district. School is very political. Um, there's a lot of politics in school. We teach, teachers are told that they need to be teaching children materials that will help them pass our standardized testing. You know, grades and those curriculum-based subjects are what get kids in college. You need to teach the skill that's going to get them the best grade on that map test or whatever score that they need to get on this standardized test so that we can have a good grade for our district. And so school kind of, it, it takes out of that. They, they take away some of that fluffy stuff because again, they, they, want those, they want those district marks that say, hey, you guys are doing excellent in science and math. Mm, yeah. It's such a good point though, how, how much mm-hmm. politics are involved in the school and how it's, it's so, so much less focused on the children themselves and getting them what they need and more about what the appearance is for the schools from the outside. Yeah. So what I was saying was, is I, I originally went to college to be an elementary educator and probably like my second week of college, I walked into my elementary education class and I'm not going to get super political here, but there had been some change in administration and there had been some change in the political climate for education. And my professor walks in class and she looks at all of us and she says, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to actually impact children and teach children, you need to walk out of my classroom. And we're all like, what? Like we're here to become elementary educators. Like I don't understand And She said, because of the way that the political climate is today, if you actually want to impact children and you actually want to teach, you cannot do it by being an educator in a public school. And I was just like mind blown. And then she started talking about all the money and things that go into education. And you're totally right. Schools have to focus on getting those marks on those standardized tests in order to get funding. And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable because we're not, because as a teacher and an educator, you're responsible for all the pieces of a child, right? Mm -hmm. I think about our kids who like, even recess time has been condensed so much that kids are barely going outside. But we know, especially as a mental health specialist, that outside time is necessary for a kid's learning experience because they need the frequent breaks. They need the opportunity to get rid of all those wiggles and jiggles that they have in the classroom when they're expected to sit at desks all day. So like, 
it, it's it's sad. And I think that's a reason why a lot of women are moving towards homeschooling their, their children so that they can really take back the power mm. of how their child is learning. And now that COVID has happened, I think there's going to be even a bigger increase of mothers and families and parents just coming together and saying, hey, if we can afford for one of us to stay home because we're already impacted by COVID, let's do that. So then we can have the power in how we want to set up our learning experience for our children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a beautiful thing because, again, you'll get, we're going to, our next generation of children, I I just can't wait to see. I think they're going to be so, they're so fired up already. The young people are the ones that are out here really voicing change. And and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like there's going to be so much change that's going to come between obviously COVID and the quarantine. And then I hate to say it this way, but I feel like the timing of everything as much as it's awful is also the perfect timing because like I've said to some people, you know, COVID really kind of stripped us of all of our distractions and forced Mm -hmm. us into this discomfort of, you know, having to look at ourselves and then, you know, George Foley was murdered. And now it's like, now we're really looking at ourselves and all the things that are happening around us. And it's really, it's, you can't not change at this point and you can't not look at yourself at this point. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think there's so much, I said 2020 is a beautiful year because it's forced our nation to practice stillness, Mm. something that Mm. I teach people all the time, but we have been forced into a nationwide stillness practice where we are forcing ourselves to sit with ourselves. There's been so many people who are uncomfortable. Let's talk about why you're uncomfortable about going to so many places or why you can't buy certain things. Why is it so hard for you to be in your own home, the home that you purchased, the home that you're paying rent for? Why is that so difficult with, to you? Why is it hard for you to be at home all day with your children? Let's sit mm. with that for a little bit. Yes. Sit with ourselves and be reflective um, internally. In 2021, it's going to be a beautiful year because now all the work that you've done by sitting with yourself, you'll be able to build upon that and really begin to do some actionable steps. And that's going to be... And that's going to be a great thing. But 2020 has been a reflective year. Um, Mm. I think there's so much beauty that can come from this moment of having to just to be alone and to to have isolation. There's so much to learn from yourself when you have to, when you're forced to be with yourself. And that's so Mm. hard to do because Americans, people in general, our minds are working a mile a minute. You know, we're thinking about the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing. How... Sometimes the best thing we could do is just think about what can we do right here, right now, in this exact moment. Um, Mm. And there's so much that can come out of that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's been definitely, I think reflection is, is the perfect the perfect word for it. So I love, you know, we've talked about a variety of things and I love that, you know, we've talked about just who we are as parents and, you know, really the importance of mothers looking, looking at ourselves and our past and looking where we are now. So I would love, you've given us like so many tools and I feel like so many things for 
people in general, but definitely moms to, to work on and making that the focus being coming back to yourself and really looking at yourself. So if you could give our audience and if you could give moms like one thing to do today for themselves that would help them to be more fulfilled and help them to be better parents, what would that be? You know, probably one of my biggest tools is practicing the pause. And the pause is just a time before you react, before you do an actionable step. You really are thinking things through. Um, It helps you lead with intention. And when we think about being conscious, I'm thinking about being purposeful when you are parenting your children and thinking about yourself. I think because we operate from like going from zero to 10 or just kind of like going, 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 we don't have times where we actually stop and think things through. Because if you really stop and think your decisions through or think how you respond to your children or any of that, you're really able to be detail-oriented on how you project those actionable steps. And so take a moment throughout the day to just pause, pause and breathe. I think we don't even think about breathing, right? We like, oh, our body just, we just breathe. But how many times have you just stopped and like did a couple deep breaths and then went throughout your day and like really Mm -hmm. been intentional about that so that you can really do small steps to rejuvenate and fill your cup. Mm -hmm. Healthy moms, healthy parents raise healthy children, you know, Mm -hmm. regulated moms, regulated parents, parents who are working from a calm place, from a place in their brains where they're rational. That is what renders good humans. That is what will raise good humans. When you're reactionary, when you're dysregulated, um, when you're coming from an anxious state, that's not good for you or anyone around you. So really thinking about trying to find moments to just pause and be okay with pausing to take the Mm -hmm. time out. Um, not feeling guilty and, and, and most importantly, feeding yourself the messages that you are allowed to have power over the choices that you make in regards to, to raising your children and really, really stand firm in the things that are important to you in motherhood. Um, mm. And don't let anyone, you know, offset that. Um, mm. Be confident in what you're doing and know that we're not perfect and we're doing the best that we can. Motherhood is about survival. We are doing the best we can. And be okay with your best. You know, be Mm -hmm. okay with that. Sometimes your best is like, my kids are on iPads all day eating fruit snacks. That's okay. (laughs) They survived. (laughs) They survived. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is so helpful. And like the thing that I always tell my clients is the pause button. So it's like, again, once again, we're, we are connected and we, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're definitely somebody that I'm, I'm happy to, <laughs> I'm happy we got to have this conversation today, but yes. it is so important. So can you tell everybody like where they can find you, where they can follow you? Just give us all of your information. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty consistent throughout all forums. So it's My Motherhood Magic. Um, My Motherhood Magic on IG, Facebook. I do have a website, mymotherhoodmagic.com, where I share really practical uh, tips and steps. I talk a lot about early childhood trainings and experiences that I've had and education that I've had. And I also share just a lot about my personal experiences in motherhood. I talk about my miscarriage, 
um, mm. hard times that I've had with my children, how I've overcome that. But please, um, follow, I have my motherhood magic at Gmail. If you simply want to send me a, a email, but I am always open. I feel like I am on this earth. God has placed me on this earth to be a vessel to give people information in regards to being the best parent that they can be. Thank you, awesome. uh, Kelsey. Thank you, Mindy, for having me today. This has been has been a beautiful uh, conversation and a great yeah. way to start my morning. Now I'm like, okay, I've talked a lot about what I, you know, what other people need to do. Now today yeah. I'm going to I'm going to do those things myself. Yeah, it's it's funny how that timing always works. Well, I mean, honestly, thank you for being here and thank you for like I'm I'm excited to to talk more with you yeah. and I'm excited to, you know, have the the connection with you and I like so much of what you you say aligns with how I feel. So, I'm happy to have to have met you and to have this conversation today and thank you for being here and thank you for taking you. time this time for yourself and taking time away from from your children for us and really more than anything thank you for what you're doing because it's honestly that 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 focus of mental health is so important in all areas and you know I feel like as people we feel like okay I'm only one person how much can we do but it's really it should be I'm one person like how much can I do Yes, um, just having yes. that mentality instead, because it's we can always create a ripple that can reach miles and miles. Absolutely, and we're stronger together. Yes, um, so that's important. What I do, what you do, what you ladies are doing, we are stronger together when we are more uniform, when we are more aligned, and and that is really the beauty beauty in, in building and community building and. Um, and that's what I love the most about Instagram and all of the social media is the yes. connections that are to be made. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Um, thank you guys thank out there you. for listening. Make sure that you subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Make sure you check Brandy out and give her a follow. And really excited next week on episode 30, we're going to be talking about, Mindy, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're talking about how to be assertive at work. Yes. yes. Setting boundaries, being able to speak up for yourself, and just really as a woman to stop backing down just to someone because they're your boss. Yep. Oh, I need that one. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Again, make sure you subscribe to get all of our episodes. Brandy, thank you so much for being here. And thank everybody, you. don't forget to live bravely today. If you are a CEO or entrepreneur, I want to invite you into a space that's unlike anything out there. CEO Power Hour is a free monthly live experience that you can join in person or virtually to get your questions answered to fulfill the desires for your business. Inside this room, you bring your biggest goal, the obstacles you are experiencing, or anything you want my expertise, eyes, and ears on. This guidance, along with the ideas and inspiration from other powerful women, allows you to be fully immersed in the energy of being supported and learn in a completely new way so that you can expand your business and your life to the next level. I created CEO Power Hour to bring together powerful business owners for connection, collaboration, and coaching. This is your invitation, and it's free. The link is in the show notes, so I hope to see you at our next monthly meeting.